Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Flight Deck, an inside look at the New York Jets. I'm your host, Rich Slavini. I cover the Jets for ESPN. It's week 14. The Jets are 7-5, and five, and they're clinging to that seventh and last spot in the playoffs in the AFC. They have a 34% chance, according to our ESPN analytics, but they have the sixth toughest schedule in the NFL based on opposing winning percentage. This is not going to be easy. They got to get to 10 wins. Somewhere they have to find three wins out of these next five games, and they're on the road again facing the first-place Buffalo Bills, who have won three in a row and seem to have their act together after that little mini midseason crisis. If the Jets lose this game on Sunday, well, they can kiss the division goodbye. But this is what you wanted, right? This is a meaningful football game in the month of December. Been a while, right? It's been since 2015, and it doesn't get any better than Jets-Bills Week 14 with so much on the line. They could have been in a little better position if they had taken care of the Vikings, but a 27-22 loss, not totally debilitating to their playoff chances, obviously, but so frustrating. And I think to what Garrett Wilson said after the game, he said it's a game of inches. This was a game of inches over and over and over. It totally was. I mean, Braxton Berrios has the potential game-winning touchdown pass in his hands and he drops it in the end zone. Nine times out of ten, he's going to make that catch. Garrett Wilson, his toe barely touches the boundary on that long catch and run. Would have been a touchdown. Mike White misses Wilson on that long pass. He was open. Wilson dove. It went off his fingertips. If that pass is just a few inches shorter, he stays on his feet. He probably takes it to the house. So, so many instances where it was just down to inches. I mentioned Mike White. Let's stay right there. He is the story. We know this. He will start in Buffalo. Robert Sala confirmed that on Monday. Seemed pretty obvious, of course. He said this is Mike White's opportunity to, quote, unquote, make noise. So what the heck does that mean? That's the question on everybody's mind. How long are they going to stay with Mike White? Now, Robert Sala has said repeatedly that his intent is to get Zach Wilson back in the lineup. Wilson will be inactive again on Sunday for the third straight week. Here's what we know. Mike White is playing at a level that Zach Wilson can only dream about. Number two, the offense functions better with White than Wilson. Number three, the players love Mike White. You saw the t-shirts, the hockey jerseys, walking into the locker room, a bunch of guys with Mike White with the Anaheim Mighty Ducks jerseys. and They just talk about his toughness and his moxie that third down play where he got squashed by a Vikings defensive lineman I think it was Daniil Hunter and you know it hurts his ribs he gets up on the next play do or die he rips that fourth and ten completion to Corey Davis to keep the game alive that really resonates with the players that type of toughness 
that scores points with your teammates. And, uh, you know, Garrett Wilson after the game saying, I'll go to war for that boy, which to me was a fascinating juxtaposition to what happened two weeks ago in the locker room at Gillette Stadium after that awful loss to the Patriots. Garrett Wilson basically ripping the offense, not naming names, of course, but we know where that was directed at, and just being upset. And then two weeks later, just being, you know, of course upset with the loss, but so convinced that Mike White is the guy. And so tremendous contrast there. I believe this is Mike White's job to lose. Now, if he keeps performing and they keep winning, he's not coming under the light up, people. There is no way, no matter what Robert Sala says publicly about Wilson coming back. The name of the game is winning and the Jets have to have a chance to do something they haven't done since 2010, and that's make the playoffs. Longest active playoff drought in the league. And when I look into my crystal ball, here's what I see. I see White starting the next three games, no matter what. At Buffalo, Detroit at home, Jacksonville at home in that Thursday night game. I mean, that's unless there's a meltdown, of course, unless he has a four-interception type game like he had against Buffalo last year. But anything short of that, I think Mike White's going to be the starter for the next three games at least. I don't know if he's going to come out and proclaim that Mike White is now the starter permanently for this team. I don't know. I don't think that'll happen. But I think he will start the next three. And then at that point, you have to reevaluate where you are, mostly in the standings. If the Jets lose all three and they're 7-8, and eight, well, then I could totally see them going back to Zach Wilson at that point for the last two games, which are at Seattle and at Miami. If the Jets win one out of the next three and they're eight and seven, well, that's kind of a gray area. A lot of variables there. You know, where are they in the standings? How is White playing? That would be a tough decision. If they win two or three out of the next three and they're nine and six or ten and five, they are riding with Mike White. There is no doubt about it. Uh, so, Yeah, I think there's a Zach Wilson possibility, but if he gets back the way I see it, I don't think he'll be playing meaningful snaps for the Jets. I think if Zach Wilson ever gets back, it'll be just meaningless playing out the string type snaps because for all intents and purposes, Mike White is going to be their quarterback. Uh, He has captivated the players and the coaches in only two starts. He's handled himself well off the field. You saw the accountability on Sunday him taking responsibility for the poor red zone performance, only one for six in the red zone, obviously not good enough. The quarterback's job is to get his team in the end zone, and the Jets simply were not nearly good enough in that area on Sunday against the Vikings. That's the one negative about Mike White in the red zone in two games. He's only seven for 19. That's that's 37% completion rate. The league average is 54, so he is well below the league average there. He's got to do better in the red zone, and I think he will because he processes really quickly, which is essential in the red zone. Now, just for curiosity, I looked up Zach Wilson. He's actually at uh, at 50%, rather 57% in the red zone, which is slightly above average. Uh, compared to the league percentage. So I found that to be kind of interesting. So I do I do think White will improve in that area. I mean, look, if Braxton Berrios holds on to that pass in the end zone, we're having a completely different conversation right now, probably not focusing on these red zone problems. And I wanted to point that out because I get it. Everyone's caught up in Mike White mania. But, you know, it's our job to be objective here. We, we have to point out the negatives as well. 
And third and 10 from the Minnesota 19, 23 seconds left. Mike White is flushed to his right. Elijah Moore is open on the sideline. He's in position to do a toe tap. But Mike White makes a bad throw. It's incomplete, and it sets up the desperation play on fourth down, which, of course, gets picked off. You make that play there. You know, you're talking first and goal at the seven with 16 seconds left, and you have three really good shots at the end zone to win the game. Also on that play, Denzel Mims was wide open at the two-yard line on a post route. For some reason, White did not see him. If he sees him and completes that pass, there's a chance Mims gets in the end zone on that play. Uh, So, again, good day by Mike White, 369 yards. Nice rally from being down 20-3. to Guy threw for 240 in the second half. So, but like I said, we have to be objective observers. We can't gloss over the negative, and I just want to point. Maybe it's because the quarterback bar is so low around here after Wilson and Sam Darnold that, you know, I get it. You know, everyone's fascinated by this guy. But we have to point it out, everything. But this much is indisputable. In the last two games, the Jets are averaging 450 four yards offense 454 that is number two in the league over the last two games granted small sample size Mike White has injected life into this team he has galvanized this team in the aftermath of a potentially fracturing loss to the Patriots he deserves to start and he will start for the foreseeable future It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com it's Twitter time, and as I promised, one question for each Garrett Wilson reception. Good thing I didn't make that based on yards because we'd be here all day today and tomorrow. So we've got eight questions, starting off with Alex Dimfel. Rich, what do you see the Jets doing at quarterback next season? Ha! This is the question everyone will be wondering about all offseason. Um, it is really hard to say at this point. A lot could happen over the last five weeks, Alex. I do think there are legitimate questions in the organization about Zach Wilson. I get a sense the same level of commitment is not there. Mike White will be an unrestricted free agent. Jimmy Garoppolo, possible option, but you know that's complicated by a foot injury. He's looking at a six-month rehab. I don't see them drafting a guy. This is a win-now roster. I don't think they want to start over with another high draft pick at quarterback. So we'll have to see it plays out, how it plays out with Mike White. I think he's a better quarterback than Zach Wilson. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious. But I don't think his ceiling is quite as high as Wilson's. And the last thing they want to do is cut bait with Wilson and watch him develop elsewhere. 
So it's a fascinating decision. I think it will be the subject of uh, considerable internal debate. I do not think Zach Wilson is a lock to be back next year. Let's put it that way. Next question from at Jason Oakey. Is there a benefit to Wilson to having him as the third string quarterback on the scout team rather than him being more involved in the game plan as the second stringer? So, yeah, that's a legitimate question, Jason. And I think they want him as the third string because it just eliminates the stress during the week of having to prepare for an opponent. He can just focus on himself. He doesn't have to worry about everybody else getting ready for a game plan. He can just focus on himself. It's it's basically some me time for Zach Wilson, and he needs it. Next one from at Draped in Yellow. What did the Jets do with James Robinson? Bam Knight is obviously a better option at this point. If, Jer- if JR continues to play, he could reach the 600-yard mark needed to escalate the sixth-round pick to a fifth-round pick from that Jacksonville trade, and would he still be in the team's plans for next year? I don't think he's going to be in their plans for next year. He's going to be a restricted free agent. Right now, that tender number is projected at $2.6 million. The Jets are not going to pay that much for, for James Robinson. Right now, he's fourth in the pecking order behind Knight, Michael Carter, who I think will be back this week, Ty Johnson, and then it's James Robinson, who was obviously lost some of that explosiveness at the time of the trade. I told you guys that the sense in Jacksonville that he hadn't regained all the explosiveness from that Achilles injuries last year. It happened basically one year ago this month. Don't think he's right. Seems a little compromised at this point. Um, And so, no, I don't think he's going to get to that 600 yards, by the way. He's at 425 right now. I think there's a good chance he will be inactive again this week against Buffalo. Two weeks ago, he was inactive. He was not happy about it. When I approached him in the locker room, he made it quite clear that he was upset. He said he was, quote, pissed off that he wasn't playing. And uh, so, yeah, and I, I do think he will be inactive again. The next question, at Thoughts by Pat K., Obviously, you're going to get a lot of quarterback questions, so here's a change for the offensive line. Do you think the Jets let Fant walk? Is Dwayne Brown the starting left tackle next year, or does Mekhi Becton fight for it in the offseason? Also a question about Mitchell. Do the Jets draft an offensive lineman high? Uh, Here's my thought there. Uh, I do believe Fant will leave as a free agent. I, I do believe Dwayne Brown will probably retire. So Becton... You know, yeah, I mean, he's still under contract, so he's a factor in the decision. Uh, Max Mitchell has shown some promise, although he struggled last week and got pulled out of the game. So, yeah, I think they're going to draft an offensive lineman high. Next one from at Dr. Eric Klein. Rich, why do the Jets seem insistent on using Braxton Berrios on jet sweeps and similar type run plays? Wouldn't Elijah Moore or Garrett Wilson be better and more explosive options? The only question I have about the usage of Berrios is that they do it all the time with him. I'd like to be a little more unpredictable, but he's good at it. I mean, people are down on Braxton Berrios now. He's averaging 10 yards per carry on those with two touchdowns. He is the fastest guy of those that you mentioned. He is, believe it or not, slightly faster than Garrett Wilson based on the tracking. The GPS tracking is objective proof and right now Braxton Berrios his his GPS tracking is slightly higher than than Garrett Wilson's so Berrios is the fastest guy and he's been successful on those play calls 
I would just like to see a little bit of change of pace just to keep the defense off balance a little bit. At Dan underscore Lorenz, why did it, why did the Jets struggle so much in the first half, especially on defense? How could they avoid that in the future? Yeah, really good point, Dan, because the Jets, we, we know their defense is, is good and they're very highly ranked, but they're in the middle of the pack in terms of first-half production, in terms of yards, points allowed. Why is that? It's, it's possible they're caught off guard by the opponent's game plan. They need a little time to settle in, some time to adjust, give them credit for making good adjustments. I think the Jets' depth on their defensive line kicks in late in the game and wears down opponents. I mean, they've been rotating 9 and 10 guys on the defensive line. I think that has an, an impact on the game, maybe not early on, but later on, and I think that's one of the reasons why they're a good fourth-quarter team, but certainly uh, fair to bring up their early-game struggles. At Joe D. Prospero, uh, a while back you said on Flight Deck that the fans had a higher opinion of Mike White than the Jets brass did. Did something change, or did Wilson's below-average play simply force their hand? Great question, Joe. I did say that early in the year. I think it was when we were going through the Flacco stuff, and here's the fact. Mike White did not have a good training camp. Robert Sala just said that last week publicly. Uh, it's something we all observed in training camp and reported on. And even Mike White acknowledged that last week. For whatever reason, he just was not in a good rhythm in training camp. So I think starting him in week one when Wilson was injured was not even a consideration. It was going to be Flacco. And so did something change? Yeah, Mike White practiced really well from like weeks one through eight or nine and then they bumped him up to number two and so he got better and of course Wilson's below average play as you called it was a factor as well and so now that's why Mike White is back in the lineup players can improve their standing on the Jets I mean you are not doomed to be a bench dweller for the rest of your career I mean look at Denzel Mims he was stuck on the bench in the preseason and early in the year and now he's dressing so you have a chance to improve, which is what a good meritocracy should be. Next one at Rev Leander. Uh, Rich, what position does, do the Jets need to fortify to get to the next level? I think offensive line play is so important in the NFL. I think it separates the haves and the have-nots. There are a lot of teams that are really struggling to put together a good offensive line. The Jets line has been good this year. It could have been a lot better if they had stayed healthy. And I th definitely think it's an area that needs to be fortified. Really, you only have two sure things for next year. I think Lakin Tomlinson at left guard and Elijah Vera Tucker coming back from surgery to be the right guard. Of course, we know he can play other positions as well. But Fant, Brown, and McGovern are free agents. Mitchell showed some promise, but do you want to commit to him as, as a tackle? Makai Becton, who knows where he's at? You can't depend on him. I would bet anything right now that the Jets draft an offensive tackle in the first round. I think that they'll probably be picking in the 20s somewhere. I think that is clearly their number one priority. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
And so we are heading up to Buffalo this weekend, another cold-weather trip, and for a huge game against the 9-3 and Buffalo Bills. And, of course, a, I'm a creature of habit. I go to the Anchor Bar for my Buffalo Wings. I know other people favor other places, but I like the Anchor Bar. And one thing I'll be thinking about when I go up there this week, this is the 30th anniversary of uh, Dennis Bird's you know, tragic broken neck. And it was in Buffalo the first week after the injury, and the Jets were a demoralized, depleted team with, I don't know, they had like eight or nine starters out with injuries. They obviously were down in the dumps. Their player, the beloved Dennis Bird, was in the hospital, paralyzed. And so they go up to Buffalo, and I'll never, ever forget it. One of the greatest games I've ever covered, even though it was totally meaningless for the Jets because they were so far out of it. But on the night before the game, the word traveled quickly through the team hotel that Dennis Bird had had moved a toe, which was considered such a great sign of optimism. And it just energized the team. And they go out there the next day and and upset the the big bad Buffalo Bills who were an incredible team that was in the middle of their Super Bowl dynasty era the Jets win 24 to 17 they were a 17 point underdog that day and I'll never forget this quote I go up to a journeyman tight end his name is Mark Boyer he's playing for the Jets and I go you guys were a 17 point underdog how did you do this and I'll never forget what he said he goes quote you can't put a point spread on the human spirit end quote. Never forgot that quote. An amazingly beautiful, albeit meaningless game for the Jets. And uh, they all gathered in a tiny room in the locker room afterwards and went on a a speaker phone to talk to Dennis Bird in the hospital. And I can't believe it's been 30 years, but I know that'll be on my mind as I head back up to Orchard Park. You know, it's going to be a tough game for the Jets. The Bills, they're not only good, they're coming off wins over Cleveland, Detroit, and New England. But they're coming off the mini-bye, so they're going to have those extra three or four days. They'll be well-rested. Now, they don't have Von Miller, but their pass rush looked pretty good against New England last game. Josh Allen looks like he's dealing with that elbow injury. Of course, he had a bad game against the Jets. It was his worst game of the year. He had two interceptions. He was sacked five times. The Jets' zone coverage in that game was masterful. They did an outstanding job with their zone. Allen was only 11 for 23, two interceptions against the zone. And to this day, right now, right now going into week 14, when the Jets play zone, they are ranked number one in opposing quarterback rating. So it is a very good zone. Uh, Robert Sala calls Josh Allen Superman, so maybe the zone can be his kryptonite. We'll see how it goes. I don't know. This is going to be a really tough game for the Jets. I think the Bills have, have regained their their way. Those extra few days of rest are going to be so hard. The Jets, I think, will do okay, but I don't see them winning this game. I'm going to pick Buffalo 24-16. to I think Mike White will do much better against Buffalo this time than he did last year with those four interceptions, and I think he will play well enough to obviously solidify, again, his standing but I don't think the Jets are going to pull off the game. I think they're a nine-point underdog. Not quite 17, but still a pretty heavy underdog. And I see the Bills prevailing, which would knock the Jets down to 7-6 and six as they come home 
and they face Detroit, which would basically be a must-win game. So that's this week's episode of Flight Deck. A lot of quarterback talk, a lot of stuff on the Bills coming up, and a quick look back on the Vikings. want to thank our producer, Jeff Scopin. Great job, as always. Enjoy the game. If you're going to Buffalo, Orchard Park, stay warm. Look for me at the Anchor Bar, and we'll talk to you next week on Flight Deck.